and she somehow sends him a video directly to his email being like hey stay away mama and papa and i are happy and you could just see it like they just show ash's face just like clam up and is like him do the arthur meme where his fist balls up and he's like that's my mom what the fuck are you talking about you and your weird spectral dog stole her from me and i'm gonna kill you little girl Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm Meowth, that's right! And this week, we try to catch them all with the third Pokemon movie, The Spell of the Unknown. Before we steal your mom, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr, at MortifiedPod. Layla... Um, why, why did we watch the third Pokemon movie? Hey, buddy, I don't fucking know. This is your idea. <laughs> Excellent point. Um, so listeners, we, sometimes we plan ahead, uh, and we were like, okay, August is going to be a wild month. We're going to do Fan of the Opera. We're going to do, we're going to do Pacific Rim. We're going to do Cowboy Bebop, which is, spoiler alert, our next episode. But in the middle, we were like, what, what should we do? And I was like, should we watch, should we watch the first Pokemon movie? And Layla was like, hmm, what if we watched multiple Pokemon movies? And we were both like, okay, the third one's really good. We both really have good memories of the third one. So we were like, we're going to do that. But then we were like, let's look at all the list of Pokemon movies. Um, We did consider watching um, the Pokemon Arceus, uh, Arceus and the Jewel of Life. And... I hate to say it, but I watched two-thirds of that movie, and it was really boring. Um, so we're just going to talk about the third Pokemon movie, the one with Entei, um, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, probably going to be a short one. You know, we, we're we just making time, we're making choices that respect our time and our limited schedules, and hopefully your interest, listeners. So with that very long preamble out of the way, Layla, um, you know... Tell me about your history with not only the Pokemon franchise, but with this movie specifically. Oh, my God. Okay, so, like, if you really trace it back, I feel like you can blame Pokemon for my entire career. Um, My, like, first memory of drawing, really, was Pokemon magazines back in the late 90s in Moscow. And they had those little things where, like, it was a screenshot of, like, the one I remember specifically was Misty. And they had it in a grid, and you had to copy it piece by piece onto an empty grid, and then you drew Misty. So, like, that's where I got my start. I used to, uh, I used to, I also really loved Digimon, um, but then when I moved to the States, I got Pokemon Gold, and I played, I played Pokemon Gold. I never replay games, and I replayed the shit out of Pokemon Gold all the time. Um... And uh, to this day, like, I'm a Johto bitch. I think you and I both can attest to the fact that we are Johto kids, judging by our reactions to the theme. Uh, And then I think I fell off a little bit off of, like, the formal Pokemon infrastructure, but I do still play Pokemon Go. Um, I'm in a quiet feud with the church down the street um, because I keep taking their gym in the night. (laughs) And then on Sunday morning, the kids have to come in and beat me again. I love the idea. (laughs) I love the idea of all the Sunday school kids being like, who is this witch who keeps taking over our <laughs> church every single night? We must cleanse this place. And uh, I'm team yellow and the kids are all red or blue. Of so course. like, of course no are. one's on my side in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm still like, God, there's a print on my wish list that's just like an oddish, but tomatoes. Oh. Like, it's little leafy things grow tomatoes, and it's so cute. I'll, I'll th- throw the link to you to put in our show notes, because, you know, support independent artists. But, like, I love Pokemon to this day. I don't know. It's a lot of nostalgia. Uh, what about you? What's your what's your history with, with the franchise? You know, I've said it before. Pokemon Yellow version was probably the first video game I played ever. And, you know, there's my, my family probably still has VHSs of me dressed up like Ash Ketchum for Halloween. And 
I think I still have my Pikachu, like, stuffed animal that I got when I was, like, five years old. It's, you know, like, torn to shit, but I think it's probably somewhere in my parents' house. Like, a little a little faded yellow Pikachu that I'd carried around uh, everywhere with me. Um, and so, like, I love Pokemon. I, you know, I play the games pretty regularly. Um, you know, I, I, I fell off a little bit in high school when I was afraid to be an anime person. But, uh, yeah, like, I have a... Like I take Pokemon pretty seriously. I have a very strong water team. If anyone wants to one v one me in uh, in Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield, but um, yeah, I mean I love Pokemon. I, it's you know the thing that got me into anime, the thing that made me kind of a dork ass nerd that I am right now. So I love Pokemon, and like this movie in particular is one of those that like I I begged my parents to like rent from the family video or the blockbuster and just like watched it over and over again. So like I knew every beat of this movie like like you did, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have a, a pretty strong history with this movie in the sense that, like, throughout my life, I go through these phases where I'll just bounce between two movies. Um, I haven't done it recently, but the I guess the last time I really did it was a while ago, but I would just, like, watch Howl's Moving Castle and Robin Hood Men in Tights, those two <laughs> movies, for an entire summer. I could not hmm. sleep unless I put one of them on. Um, and it got so wild with Howl's Moving Castle that I couldn't even listen to Christian Bale's voice anymore. I had to start listening to it in other languages. Oh, no. um, and uh, in terms of this specific Pokemon movie, it was this and Chicken Run. Like, immediately after I emigrated from Russia, I would just watch this movie and Chicken Run. Those are my two movies. Um, but I have a... And this is kind of a mortified deep cut, I guess. Um, I don't know if you remember, but back during our Shaman King episode, you did mention that you did have a Shaman King Halloween costume. And now you did also mention that you had a Ash Ketchum Halloween costume. Can I inquire as to, like, your top five favorite Halloween costumes from childhood? Because I'm just dead-ass curious at this point as to what you dressed up as. Oh, my lord. Um, number one, obviously, Ash Ketchum. Um, number two, probably my Tigger outfit from when I was very young. Um, definitely a Winnie the Pooh stand. Um, it was his 100th birthday yesterday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Winnie. Um, number three, I think I had, my parents got me like this cool armor because I, you know, if you've listened to Bible boys, you know that I used to role play seeds from the Bible. Um, including Jesus's crucifixion. That's a different conversation, but um, I wanted to dress up like a Roman centurion uh, one one year. So my mom let me like her hair band. So I had like the cool band around my head. And then like my parents got me like this. It was basically just like medieval knight armor, but like Christian-y. So like they're like little, little like red sayings like on each one like so the the shield of of faith was like had like a little banner on it and there's like you know the the breastplate of christ or something wild it's just one of those weird like early 2000s things that i guess you could just buy um so that was a great one i can't think of very many others shaman king was definitely up there i just anything that really allowed me to wear a sword in public i think yeah, no, good vibes, good vibes. And uh, honestly, this just makes me want to have our uh, Airbnb party be a Halloween party so that we can all... <laughs> a masquerade slash Halloween party. It'll, it'll happen in two phases. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, fantastic, awesome. Well, um, now that we're swimming in nostalgia and we're all beautiful and primed, uh, care to summarize this film for us? It's a task that I don't know that I'm up to, but I'll give it a shot. So it opens with this explanation of, you know, the stories that that children are told in the Pokemon world. We see Spencer, who is like this researcher, uh, reading a bedtime story to his young daughter, Molly, who looks to be like maybe seven or eight. She, she doesn't seem to be very old, um, certainly younger than Ash Ketchum. Um, but she is... Um, you know, her dad's reading to her and, and she's like looking at pictures of legendary Pokemon and he's explaining to her like, oh, hey, this is the legendary Pokemon Entei, which is just like a big fire dog. Um, and she's like, oh, Entei's so cool and strong, just like you, Papa. And, he, and he's like, oh, I'm like Entei, am I? Then I am Entei. And, he, you know, they have a fun moment where she like rides him around and, you know, it's very cute, like father daughter stuff. Uh, anyway, smash cut, he gets called to, um, the ruins of Alf, 
uh, which if you have played a uh, Pokemon Gold version, uh, you know that there is a little puzzle in the Ruins of Alth where you um, make little uh, Pokemon. And if you do them good, you get dropped into a weird chamber where you can catch the unknown. Um, so Spencer Hale kind of does that in that he finds a bunch of like uh, Scrabble letters. And then those Scrabble letters turn into CGI uh, Pokemon and they uh, send him to another dimension, I guess. Yeah, anyway, Molly's really sad because it's also revealed that um, her mom disappeared mysteriously many years ago. So now it's just her and her butler. Uh, She's, like, pretty bummed out about it. Um, But, you know, the guy, Spencer, his research assistant, um, brought back those tiles. So Molly plays with the tiles. Uh, They bring up the unknown. uh, And they, like, sort of tap into the power of her dreams. Uh, and she starts to, you know, make wishes, basically. She, you know, turns her entire mansion into a big crystal ice palace, very frozen. Um, and, uh, she also is like, oh, I wish my dad was here. So they summon Entei, um, the act, and it's, I think it's debatable whether or not Entei is actually literally her father or is just Entei, the, the Pokemon. And I think, you know... I think it is probably just Ente like being like, uh, okay, I guess I, I guess I'm your dad now. <laughs> um, but I think that's that's fun to think about. And so that's all in the first like ten minutes of the show. Um, and then Ash Ketchum shows up, and they play the Pokemon Johto theme, which fucking owns. Incredible, one of the best poke. Like, listen, the OG Pokemon on uh, theme song is incredible, of course. Um, but after that, uh, you know, Johto, very, very good, arguably better. Uh, it, it, it's a great song. Uh, Ash Ketchum is, you know, happens to be, lo- you know, a longtime friends with Molly. You know, her, uh, his mom and Spencer, the, the professor, uh, went to school together, I guess. Um, and so Ash rolls up to this place. He's like, oh, no, my weird friend's house got turned into a crystal wasteland. That's weird. Um Ash's mom hears the news about Spencer, drives to Greenfield, that's the town that they live in. Uh, there's a very good scene where um, Ash's mom shows up and she's like, oh, hello, Pikachu. Uh, and she goes over to Pikachu and like squishes Pikachu's face. And then Ash is like, uh, mom. And she's like, oh, hi, honey. <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, but then, yeah, Entei kidnaps her. Uh, and, uh, you know, they they spend the rest of the movie uh, trying to fight, you know, Molly in various incarnations, you know, she's like, oh, I want to be a Pokemon trainer, so she, she fights, you know, Brock, and then Misty, and then, uh, Ash finally gets to the top of the tower, he talks her down, they defeat the unknown, and Entei disappears, and it's all resolved, um, it was a lot of setup for a movie that was, like, barely 70 minutes long, but, um, I think it was important to do, (laughs) Uh, because there's there's a lot of interesting concepts and, and, and parts of this movie that I think we'll have fun talking about. Yeah, I think structurally the end, just like considering the pace, the beginning of the movie sets, I think the end drags a little bit. Um, kind of once we get up into that chamber with Molly, it's just like God's longest Pokemon battle. And there's parts of it that are really good, but there's parts of it that just take too long. Mm-hmm. And I kind of lost steam. But uh, aside from just the main story, I we got a Team Rocket, I think, is like contractually obligated to be in this movie, like voice acting wise. Like, I think they have to have them in every movie, (laughs) but they didn't write them into the story. So all they do is they just like drop these just stunning one liners the entire time. It's really good. We'll get into it. But yeah, I honestly, I was kind of afraid going into this that this movie wouldn't hold up because, again, I watched it so so much when i was when i was a kid and it's like so such a part of my childhood but no it holds up it's great i love it (laughs) yeah i mean i'll say like watching that other movie that we're not going to talk about i think that i genuinely think that it's not a nostalgia goggles thing like i genuinely think at least the first three pokemon movies that got like you know worldwide releases were like some of the best ones because i've watched some of the other pokemon movies recently like i have a four pack of um like a bunch of other pokemon movies like from that uh hoenn era like jirachi and the latios latios ones and those are like not great either unfortunately um this one's really good um mewtwo strikes back is an all-time favorite of mine but like i I think this it's just very strange to see like a pokemon movie with like such 
interesting stakes, right? Like they're like, oh, okay. Um, how do we get the audience invested? Well, first we'll do, we'll devote the first 10 minutes of this movie to like setting up this little girl's motivations and backstory. Um, you know, you, the most common way to, you know, talk about this sort of, um, theming device is, is by citing up, right? You know, it's, it's very much like, Hey, we're going to devote the first 10 minutes of this story to just like showing you, you know, why you should care about this character. And I think it works really well. I, I mean, I care about Molly, you know, it's, it's, we're like oh shit her dad's gone and also her mom's gone and you know she has no idea why like that's that's very powerful and then they even up the stakes by being like hey so you remember ash right you remember ash's mom she's fucking hypnotized by a legendary dog what's up uh and like that's how you get your audience to care and it's it's very good Yeah, part of me wonders if, like, the new Pokemon movies just don't take these risks because there's so much history and, like, so much ingrained in canon that they're kind of limited as to, like, the wild shit they can pull off, which it's, I think it's an unfortunate part of adults being involved in a franchise ultimately for children, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that I've outgrown Pokemon because I don't think I have. Again, I still play Pokemon Go. It's still fun for me. It's still you know you have a great water team <laughs> it's, it's they're ev trained i'll fuck you up i have several shiny gyaradoses like i'm not afraid oh, come at me oh yeah get aaron's fucking franco <laughs> that's right it, i don't think it would surprise you to know that i built fire teams um i, I built good good all-arounders but uh cyndaquil was like my starter and uh remains to be my sweet baby um you know, it, you unfortunately, like, if, if you have adults involved in this, it does come down to, like, this can't happen because in episode 40 of season two of the anime contradicts, you know, like, it just gets into this, like, weird, like, almost Star Trek kind of levels of fandom, which is just, like, I don't know, I don't think it's that fun. I think in a franchise with a non-aging 10-year-old, you can get a little loose. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of wish. Which, speaking of the non-aging ten-year-old, uh, let's talk about our let's talk about our cast of characters. Uh, first up, we got Ash Ketchum. You think yeah. this was a good interpretation of Ash? I think it was uh, appropriate. I don't know that they gave him a lot because, like, like I was saying, like Molly is really the star of this movie. She definitely gets the most characterization. But I do think, you know, they do give Ash some good points. Like, Ash is sort of famous for just like flinging himself bodily into the middle of Pokemon battles, um, which he does several times in, in this movie, uh, to his credit. Um, so he does that. And, and I think he does get a couple good bits of characterization, especially around his mom. Um, like, uh, like when, when Molly like calls her mama, uh, he gets extremely pissed off. Like the, <laughs> there's a great part where Molly sends Professor Oak an email and you point this out in your notes, but like there's, like every other character in the movie is standing in, a, in Professor Oak's lab in front of this computer and they're all watching him like read from it. And she somehow sends him a video directly to his email being like, hey, stay away. Mama and Papa and I are happy. And you could just see it like they just show Ash's face just like clam up and is like him do the Arthur meme where his fist balls up. And he's like, that's my mom. What the fuck are you talking about? You and your weird spectral dog stole her from me and i'm gonna kill you little girl um <laughs> they do have to stop ash from bodily fighting ante a couple of times <laughs> it's really good um you know like i think they hit the main parts about like what makes ash ketchum ash ketchum right he he loves pikachu he loves pokemon he loves his friends uh and, and he's not that bright <laughs> and you know what that's all i ask for in an anime protagonist honestly yeah, they can't be too bright, otherwise they'll actually understand the stakes and won't bodily throw themselves into things, which is, like, half the fun, if you ask me, is watching a boy fling himself into danger. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with the boy, ah. our another boy and a girl, it's Misty and Brock, our OGs, our, our beautiful... Misty, again, mm-hmm. got me into art, I guess you could say. I just remember... It was, like, Misty and a Pidgey are the two that I remember drawing, like, most clearly. Classic. Um... You know, absolutely. Uh, Brock, evolve your fucking Pokemon, my guy. Yeah, Brock, my dude, you... God, he So when he fights Molly, he has what? He has a Zubat? The Zubat sent me. It you was, are in an epic dream Pokemon battle and you open with Zubat? 
Like, what are you doing, dog? Like, she, ha- I think she sends the Flaffy out first, like the electric type Pokemon. And he's like, I know how to handle this. Like, bro, dude, come on. You want to know how you handle it? You handle it with the Onyx that got bodied by a Fampy. I like that bit. I loved seeing the tiny little elephant throw his enormous 25-foot rock snake just flying across the rock. At that point, Brock was like, okay, this is a dream. I cannot win. This The odds are stacked against me. But, like, <laughs> uh, what other... He had a Vulpix also. Like, all all of those Pokemon can evolve. Uh, Brock, in that in Johto also, right? He could have a Steelix. He could have a Ninetales. He could have a Crobat. That would be a good team. I wouldn't want to fuck with that team. Uh, but no, she takes her baby Pokemon and just makes him eat shit, and it's, uh, very fun. Love that. Um, I will point out, um, something that I didn't, you know, I thought was kind of funny at the time. Not so funny now. You probably shouldn't make your only black character be, like, extremely horny, uh, for everyone. Uh, it's not great, <sighs> and they, and they continue it, uh, for basically as long as Brock is introduced, as far as I know. Um... Didn't but his like, parents also abandon him and his siblings, right? Yes, he had to raise his, like, 100 siblings by himself. It's it's not great. Um, oh, boy. You know, like... The 90s! The 90s, you know. Japan has a bad history of representing black people. Um, you know, especially the original Pokemon had, had a bad history of representing black people. Um, but yeah, you're like, listen, you can't you can't do all the stereotypes with your only main black character. Uh, do, do better, you know? So I do want to bring up that bit of criticism better now right i mean i don't know like in the in the 2009 movie i watched he definitely was just like oh here's the first woman i meet i'm in love with her which like i don't know i don't know if like that's if you consistently do it for like a full 20 years like is that is that good is that like oh okay that's just a character trait or is it like oh no this is actually still a very bad stereotype yeah i mean like in some fairness I think they've gotten better with introducing more characters of color now, um, mm-hmm. especially as, like, the franchise has gotten more international. That's, that's true. Um, yeah, there's a lot more, you know, people of color, characters of color, gym leaders of color. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, I will say also, th- this isn't a good thing, but it does fall into a pattern of, like, characters with perversion as a trait. I keep thinking yes. about... Moroku from Inuyasha whenever I think about him and like mm-hmm. god Moroku pisses me off so fucking bad because it's like the same thing his only trait is being extremely horny or um, um, Mideta from um <laughs> fucking <laughs> uh, My Hero Academia the, you know the bi representation we deserve uh, yeah my bisexual king <laughs> what a reveal that was Christ. one of those things on Twitter that I definitely thought was fake but yeah I, I mean Brock um, he has some it good traits not- I think what you're saying is like it's not necessarily a race thing. It's not, you know, it's a thing in anime where it's like we just have to have one character who's a big pervert. That's cool and funny. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the thing I'm trying to get at it was it's ignorant but not malicious. Yes. Yeah. You know, so Which, like, I don't want to like sucks, but yeah, I think that's what we're saying. And you know, it, it's not great, but I, we don't want to linger on it. Um, yeah. As we linger, <laughs> as we linger on it, as we talk about it a lot, um, Misty, Misty's all right. You know, I don't know that she gets a lot of a lot of screen time in this either. She has a pretty cool water battle. Um, oh, the, I love that water sequence. It's really good. Um, like there's there's a bit where like her star you is like caught up in a big whirlpool, and then she's like, oh, use rapid spin, and like you could just see like how excited Molly is to be in a, a battle with like a gym leader. Um, and, and like, she, she's so thrilled to be like, oh, I can, I can, I can be a gym leader. I don't have to be an adult to be a gym leader. I can be a kid just like Misty. And like, that's really cute. Um, and then Misty, you know, like, again, like it's, she has a lot of very cute Pokemon, um, like Togepi. Togepi is still adorable. Um, the, the, the pretty like, that's a very cute sound. Love that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Misty, you know, she, like a lot of uh ash's uh girl sidekicks uh is just kind of relegated to a supporting role unfortunately yeah i mean that being said uh she got as much to do as brock so yeah, that's you know exactly <laughs> i feel like misty misty is like almost what i want sakura to be from naruto like she's competent and like 
just mean enough to Ash in the beginning, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then they like grow to be really good friends. And then her competence is like, like we just pointed out with Molly, is is generally like a beacon for for like the younger characters. So she's definitely what I wish Sakura was. And the reason this is like fresh on my mind is because for Free Comic Book Day, there's a Naruto free comic, and it's the section of uh, the original manga where Naruto, Sasuke, and uh, Sakura get introduced to Kakashi and they do the um they're like getting ready to do the first survival exercise and Sakura's introduction they say one thing they like and they say one thing they hate and everyone's got their goals and then Sakura's just like I love Sasuke and I hate Naruto and I'm like so like watching Misty was a breath of fresh air (laughs) I mean that's I think a very good point because the Naruto manga would have been like coming out at the same time that this like the Pokemon anime and and I mean, there was also a Pokemon manga, but like, you know, it's not like to say that Sakura was necessarily like, oh, this is just how women were written at the time. Like, you can represent women competently. It's been done in other shows. Like, so, you know, we can't we can't talk about Naruto. We always do this. Um, No, actually, it's been a while. I'm really proud of us. We've really we've really reined it in. But uh, uh, so you have Spencer Hale and Entei grouped together. Do we want to talk about if... Ente is the dad now? <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing. He's not not the dad, right? Like, it's pretty clear that Ente, when he's first introduced, is like, oh, am I, you want me to be your dad? Uh, I guess I'm your dad then. So, like, which implies, like, okay, he's not actually Spencer Hale. But the voice acting is the same. Um, you know, he, Ente functions as a parental figure. You know, like, whatever. He has, uh, you know, his famous line is like, if that is what you wish um whenever molly's like oh i wish that you know i was a pokemon trainer or i wish that my mom was here like he's just like if that is what you wish you know and and you know we see very much like spencer hale and and the the very little bit of characterization we get about him which is to say you know him playing with molly we see that he's a good dad he's doing his best you know like i pointed out uh, in my notes he does have to disappear for a research mission in the middle of the night which sucks for him (laughs) but um you know, That's listen. how he gets that mansion, baby. He's responsible. That's true, yeah. Listen, the university's <laughs> gotta have an emergency archaeologist on speed dial um, <laughs> to do Pokemon research. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that Entei and Spencer Hale are necessarily different as far as their characters go. They're both just trying to help out uh, Molly, and I mean, I think, I guess the only thing is that maybe Spencer Hale, if he was actually Entei, wouldn't have been, like, encouraging this weird nightmare sequence for for his daughter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing that caught me off guard was at the end, uh, so Spencer, before he disappears, says something like, keep me close in your dreams or something, and then Entei says the same thing as he disappears, and at first I was like, is he the dad? And then I was like, wait, no, this is just Molly remembering what her dad said to her. (laughs) Like, it's Mm not... But I think you brought up an interesting point again in our in our outline here is like, does it matter? I don't think it does. I don't think it matters if he is or if he isn't the dad or like what your interpretation of that is. Because at the end of the day, Molly chooses existing in the real world and the mm-hmm. unknown bring her actual dad back. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the bringing her actual dad back is kind of a big blow to the Ente is her dad theory and, like, you know, what, what or, whether or not it matters. But I've just been, you know, just, like, as somebody who um, has been trying to write essays, um, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what the importance of telling the truth in storytelling is and, like, whether or not that matters. And, you know, this just kind of intersected with my thoughts of, like, it doesn't really matter whether or not Ente was her dad or not. I think it's it's just interesting to see how how Molly interprets this big lion, fire lion, as, as a, you know, as a parental figure and, like, what that means for her, um, you know, and, like, how she interprets it, right? You know, the, the power of a story is not necessarily in its truth, but in what its effect is on the people hearing it. Um, so I thought that was a very, like, a weirdly profound thing um, in this movie that was <laughs> released in the year 2000 for children. Yeah, Jesus Lord, yeah. Uh, I mean, like... That's the thing about these movies that were released in the 2000s, though, right? Some of the weird ones sometimes had a point, whether or not it was intentional. Still, uh, still said something interesting. Um, let's talk about the alphabet soup without the soup. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. There's weird little CGI guys. The unknown. Is there anything to say about them? They're fun. 
they're fun. They're, you know, they're just like kind of chaos agents. They're just like, oh, we'll just make a dream world for this little kid. We don't give a shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was interesting to make them to, to choose to portray them as CGI and not as like hand drawn because it kind of emphasized how alien and weird they are, um, which like, you know, that's probably not like a thing anymore. Like, you know, I don't I don't know that they would necessarily make that same like 3D animation choice, but I thought it was cool at the time. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, now the tech exists to, like, make them blend a little bit better into the 2D stuff. But honestly, I also think it was a money-saving thing because it looked to me like it was a particle generator. And they just, like, made each particle a different unknown and then, like, set it to different variables, which I think is very fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot cheaper than, uh, you know, and they're, like, very low-poly, like, very easy things to model so it's a lot cheaper than hand animating all of that undulating you know yeah that spherical that's fair. stuff uh hey did you know uh uh i was gonna ask if you knew that ash's mom had a first name uh i did not until uh i looked it up on the wikipedia earlier today uh yeah delia ketchum is ash's mom um you know i, I think she does some pretty good work in this in this movie despite the fact that she's you know uh definitely just gets kidnapped and is Ash's motivation. Um, you know, there's a very good part where like she snaps out of her hypnosis and she like wakes up in the big uh, crystal tower and she's sitting next to Molly and Entei and and she's like, "Look, Mama, they're showing our house on TV." And then she's like, uh, "Yep, I'm your mom." Mm-hmm. There's a big fire lion over there, and if I don't say that I'm your mom, he's gonna eat me. <laughs> and I thought that was very smart of her. Yeah, uh, uh, they call her Delia a couple of times in the movie, and it really threw me. I was like, what? <laughs> it's just a name. Um, yeah, pretty wild. But she's great. I also think Molly's great. She's just a cute kid. Uh, she just wants her, her parents back, and that's cute. Well, it's not cute. sad. But, you know, she wants to be a... Po- I liked her... Um, so she, she goes through, like, three iterations. There's, like, Molly at, on her real age. And then there's adult Molly, which is, like, the first pokemon trainer iteration when she fights brock and then there's like teen molly when she realizes that like misty is not a fully grown adult and was a gym mm-hmm. leader and i really like her designs there because they definitely look like how a little girl would want to dress her adult self yeah it, there's a know. lot of like long flowing capes and like like ah. weird wild hairstyles it looks cool but also like definitely like oh yeah i'm a kid imagining what grown-ups are like Exactly, and it's it's so cute and funny. I, the Kate moment was great. I love I love that she was just like, no, no. If I'm going to be a gym leader, we're going to go for the full mm-hmm. experience. Um, but she was I'm great. Have a look. Yeah, she was. She, I, I think you're right. Is like she is the protagonist of this movie, right? Like she's the star. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that for her. I love these like side stories in the Pokemon universe that only kind of tangentially involve uh, Ash. Um, and then honorable mention Team Rocket. The uh, the one-liners are just apex. Team Rocket, uh, despite the fact that they are completely unnecessary to the plot, still delivers the best lines. Um, there's there's this part where like Ash and um, Brock and Misty are like walking through this water fountain to get up and like infiltrate the house, and they have this stupid conversation about how they're like, oh, and now they're waiting up there, and then and then Meowth's like, no, they're not they're not waiting they're walking they're like are they walking through the water yes then they're waiting it's just like that's what i want for my villains just completely incompetent but also very funny and then they also do a lot of like metagaming in the whole thing where like ash has almost fallen off a building and they went and helped uh him not fall out of the tower and he goes why are you helping your bad guys and they're like well to be frank if something happens to you we're out of show business <laughs> It was really good. It's really good. I just really liked them a lot. Um, also, I'm going to say their designs were ahead of their time. Incredible. Those crop tops are really good. Um, I, I've seen some of the new Team Rocket iterations or like whatever they're called now. I think they have, some of them have different names. And honestly, I'm not as impressed. It's hard to beat the classics. It's got, yes, it is. I think a lot of the... You know, I don't want to, like, sound like I'm shitting on the new Pokemon stuff, because some of it's, like, really fun. I really mm-hmm. like some of the new stuff. I think Wooloo, that little sheep, I think it's, I think Wooloo's cute as hell. I think it's some good new legendaries, some good new stuff. I like the direction of the new games. Um, but <sighs> there's just something about Jesse and James that is just so unbeatable and so classic. Um, I do, I do love them very much. They're they're great. My my favorite line that they say in all of this is like they're just talking. Like this is right before they're 
because they always have like a weird balloon or something they, they're right before and shoots them out of the sky um they're like <laughs> meowth's like hey jesse and james do you think we'll get a bigger part in the next movie <laughs> <laughs> because you're right they're just contractually obligated to be there which which is very fun yeah i think mine was uh uh, team rockets helping out again (laughs) oh yeah Uh, they're they're great villains um you know so so inspiring to to at least you that they are in your webcomic so (laughs) wait what is is not errol and uh his ex-boyfriend based on team rocket fuck me jesse and james uh, shit yeah they are well yeah they are very incompetent yeah they're incompetent drama queens you're right shit fuck all right well <laughs> come read my pokemon kingdom hearts full metal alchemist comic coming back at the end of this year god Pitch damn it, it Aaron. like that and you'll have a million followers on twitter are you kidding me <laughs> What it's 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 uh what if what if Full Metal Alchemist Anastasia Pokemon and I already forgot the fourth thing had a weird tornado time and all became a comic about a sad prince. Come come read it. Um <laughs> Okay, wow, 39 minutes and we just got through our characters. We're just crushing it. God, <laughs> I can't believe very... we didn't think we'd have anything to talk about at this incredible, very deep and complex movie. I think um, that we just loose. Well, this is a loose one. You know? Yeah, that's all <laughs> right. C- come, come into the hot springs of 2000s nostalgia with us, audience. The water is fine. Um, but are we waiting? Oh, or no. are we walking? <laughs> We're not waiting for nothing. Uh, ah! Let's go to our talking points real quickly. We don't have too many of them, but I think they're interesting nonetheless. Um... So like like you were saying earlier, yeah, I think the ending is the weakest part of this movie. Unfortunately, like you know, there there is a very good bit that they they do a pretty good bit of setup where like Charizard earlier on is like watching Ash do this thing, and Charizard is just like in this Charizard sanctuary somewhere out in the middle of the desert, uh, and like he's just like I gotta go, and he just like flies off, and then like. Ash gets like booted off the top of a tower, you know, like 30 minutes later, and Charizard shows up and saves him. And Ash is like, Oh my god, it's Charizard! And I like actually got teary because I was just like, Oh, Charizard, Charizard came back from him. Because like what one of the very few Pokemon DV or VHSs I had was of um of Charmander, like Ash meeting Charmander and saving Charmander's life. And like I, you know, I, I remember when Charizard was just a little baby Charmander, and I, I think Charizard is so nice. Um, but like at one point, Entei is about to murder Charizard, like he's got his paw on his neck. Um, and like that's all great, you know, that's very high stakes, high drama. Um, but like you said, the battle does take forever. And then at the end, it's just sort of resolved. Like Entei's like, okay, I'm on your team now. They blow up the unknown, kind of. And then he goes off to heaven. And they're like, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and they just show her dad and apparently her mom. I didn't even get far enough in the credits to see her mom come back. Um, but apparently all her parents are rescued from the unknown and it's cool now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her mom is like at the end of the credits. Uh, and... The only reason I recognized her is because I paid attention to the photo that they had in Molly's room. And she had a very distinct hat, which I think was a good design choice because I saw the hat and I went, ah, I know who you are. <laughs> you are Molly's mother. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it just cut the battle. Just and, you know, I, I finally got around to watching that Lady Lady Knight the Brave uh, video on Pacific Rim that you brought up last episode. And like she had a similar point to make. And I, I was thinking about it as I was watching this was. Sometimes this movie got lost in the Pokemon battle sauce. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe they had a 60-minute movie on their hands. And to be a feature, it needed to be like 70. So they were mm-hmm. like, what if we threw in a couple more? I think, if anything, I would have liked uh, maybe another dream See, se- If they really need another Pokemon battle, maybe another dream sequence battle. Um, they could have maybe. had Ash like actually fight like like with Brock and Misty like have like a you know three yes. on three like you know Pikachu Bulbasaur Squirtle versus you know whatever Nightmare Team she could dream up but that would have been that would have been better than I think the Entei battle at the end. 
Yeah, and I mean, not to mention, I think that the points Ash had to make about Pokemon working as a team would have been better made fighting Molly directly, especially a Molly who was crafting her Pokemon out of dreams and, like, didn't really have that connection with them, I guess, Mm -hmm. and was just making them fight really hard. And I think having Pokemon that don't get tired while Ash's do, I think his point maybe would have been better made there. And then, and then, you know, have the anti-fight, but, like, Maybe terminal just a little shorter, you know. Just yeah, just yeah. You could shorter. have anti versus Charizard. It was cool, just like maybe <gasps> half as long. I want to be that Charizard sanctuary lady, <laughs> just chilling in my cave in the mountains with a thousand Charizard, looking fine as hell and eating good food. Hell yeah, this is my dream life. Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> my friend is in, my friend is in Switzerland right now, and this morning she sent me a picture of her perusing the mountains, and all you hear on the wind is the jingle, the soft jingle of bells that are around the necks of cows. And I'm like, yes, that's the life. That's the dream. So put a bell on a Charizard's neck and throw me in the mountains, baby. That's my dream life. But yeah, I think that there were some pacing issues, but honestly, like, I've been saying, I'm gonna stand by this. This held up. Here's the thing it did, and, you know, like we were saying before, there are bad Pokemon movies. This ain't one of them. Um, if you want to, like, look at the, you know, you know, from mainstream outlets, its reception was not incredible because, you know, mainstream newspapers aren't really equipped to cover franchise-specific movies, and, like, that's that's fine, of course. Well, they are now. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess they fucking are, because that's all that's coming out. But, um, like... Cinema score, which is sort of like a Metacritic, but for um, you know pre Rotten Tomatoes, uh, gave it an average uh, grade of an A minus on an A plus to A F A to F scale, which is like I think that's probably right. Like if if you're going for like how the audience felt about it, the audience that it's intended for, like that's probably about right. You know, it wasn't a perfect film, but had a pretty darn good time. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I feel like for me, I know you said the first three movies. I think the first four were pretty solid. I fell off after the fourth one. Is the fourth one the one with Celebi? Yeah. That one's good as hell, too. Uh, the one where they have like an evil Tyranitar and Ash and young Professor Oak team up together. That kicks ass. That's a yeah, great movie also. Is the, it, it's just, Suicune. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Oh, Suicune, my... my my do you have like a favorite legendary because i feel like my favorite legendaries all came out of the joda era because they're it's ho-oh and suicune so here's the thing i think i'm in one of the weird minorities which is that the um generation three is actually kind of my favorite generation um just because like it hit me right at a point where like you know, I, I begged my parents to get me a Game Boy SP uh, and Sapphire version. So, like, I, I, you know, have really strong memories of just, like, that that franchise and, like, f- discovering all the legendaries there. So, like, my favorite legendary is either uh, Rayquaza or Kyogre. Um, you know, Rayquaza's the big green space snake and Kyogre's just, like, a big fucked up whale, but, like, not <laughs> whale lord. Just, like, a big evil whale. And I, I love Kyogre. Um, that was the first Pokemon I ever got to level 100. Was my Kyogre, um, but like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, <sighs> Pokemon. Yeah, that's the thing about franchises, right? Like, it, it it is dangerous to put your nostalgia and good memories in the hands of a company. Uh, you know, especially one as powerful and and you know wide ranging and you know focused on profit as as pokemon you know i bring this point up about disney a lot but i think pokemon absolutely falls in the category of like megalithic franchise but <sighs> darn it, it it does feel good <laughs> yeah i mean i think the nice thing about pokemon though is like so much of its ethos is based on making connections with like real people right and and i mean the trading cards Articuno, also one of my favorite, but I like a lot of the, the like, uh, uh, very elegant, like, slithery dragonairs, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good, yeah. Um, but, you know, like, a lot of my favorite memories are, like, talking about Pokemon with my friends and comparing, like, your favorites or comparing your starters. Honestly, so, like, what was it, like, two months ago? Like, funny that we bring up my webcomic, because, like, two months ago, somebody posted a Pokemon team generator, and, like, it was just fun for me to go in and be like, okay, so if they were Pokemon trainers, what kind of (laughs) shit would they have? You know, because just, like, from a knowledge base that goes back, well, like, well over 20 years now, you know, and it's just, God, it is really dangerous to put your hands, to put your nostalgia in the hands of a corporation. I think, um... 
was like, I don't know. It's still fun. I like that my brother's into it. I like that kids are growing up with it and like maybe in a different way that I'm not quite caught up with. But like, I don't care. You know, it's still it's still fun for me to like reminisce and think about it. So it's a good franchise. It's a good time. I wish. God, I wish Digimon was as big because I also love Digimon, but. Well, when we cover Digimon sometime in, in the next couple of months, we will we will be the forefront of the Vig- Digimon Renaissance. So, oh hell yeah, can't wait! Don't worry about that. Um, you know, it's time I think for our mortified marketing minute. Um, you know, we're going to try to think about how to bring this kind of weird nostalgia for specifically Pokemon the third movie back. Um, in the year 2021, 21 years after this movie first came to theaters in the U.S. Um, and I have a weird idea that I think might generate some interest, um, which is that I think kids these days are really into lore, um, (laughs) like weird franchise lore, like, uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, franchise, like, um, fuck, this is, this is wholly inspired by the game theory, um, youtube channel with uh what's his name matt pat i think um he he you know he does a lot of videos about five nights at freddy's lore so i'm thinking what if we hired a famous influencer to create a creepypasta youtube series pointing out the fact that and i think we all kind of came to this conclusion at this point that ash is dead uh charizard didn't come and save him at the end of this movie uh ente blasted him off a you know 100 foot tower he fell to his death uh, and R.I.P. to a real one. I'm sorry, Mr. Ketchum, that you never got to see Eleven. Uh, but that's just how it goes. Um, and I think that it would be very fun to make a weird video about all the inconsistencies in Pokemon and how the rest is just Molly's dream world. I have the perfect influencers for that. I think we gotta hire the Unsolved guys. BuzzFeed oh, Unsolved from guys. Buzz- <laughs> yes. I think uh, Shane and Ryan are the perfect ones to make this <sighs> a reality. I, I have not seen anything of BuzzFeed Unsolved except for the memes, but like just based on those memes, I feel like their level of like chaotic energy and being like, okay, so the first thing we know is that this kid has always been 10 years old. What's up with that? Uh, and then continuing to spiral uh, into absurdity would be very, very good. Yeah, um, I'm I'm here with uh, another dual purpose suggestion. Um, last time it was how to take down a billionaire, and this time we're going to tackle climate change. Excellent. Uh, so you know how finally <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> so, defeats climate change. So you- <laughs> Got to catch them all, but which I mean, <laughs> greenhouse gases. So I think um, I think it's time to build some ice castles, baby. I think we're going to take that crystal castle and I think we're going to go to the places where uh, climate change is starting to hit. You know, a lot of the places with like permafrost, maybe maybe Norway, maybe Denmark, maybe even some mountaintops in Japan, you know, keep it real, Canada. And I think it's time to freeze some castles into some crystalline structures. That's That seems extremely doable, actually. Thank you. There's, there's a lot of people that use ice as a medium. And mm-hmm. I bet they are desperate for work. Um, probably yep. not desperate, but I bet they wouldn't say no to, you know, a, a couple million dollar paycheck from, from the Pokemon company uh, to do a weird Fuck marketing it, from, stunt. From the IPCC, baby. <laughs> That's right. Greta Thunberg <laughs> is personally going to hand these ice sculpture artists $2 million and be like, hey, let me show you this VHS from the year 2000. <laughs> Hey, oh my god so here's what's gonna happen right we're gonna recreate these these ice castles and then i don't know if you've heard but the remakes uh uh are are striking a little too hard life is starting to imitate art they are rebuilding the titanic that is a real thing wait yes and then the ice castles is gonna break off into an iceberg and then the new titanic is gonna sink again that's actually very good it would be very funny to me if the replica titanic was destroyed by a copy of a castle from the pokemon movie that's (laughs) like that's meta commentary that's a sign from god 
Yeah, and I think we're honestly not improbably headed in that direction. <laughs> Listen, just judging by the way that, you know, million dollar, billion dollar corporations own everything and all IP is being sort of stirred together in a big, gross slurry, that's bound to happen, right? We're going to get some sort of, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, but they build an actual spaceship and then it crashes into Disney's headquarters and we're going to be like, this is a sign. Listen, you heard it here first. And when this all comes to fruition, I will be expecting either a mob or a paycheck. Either will do at this point, if we're either being will, honest. Will, both will get me to a villa in the mountains. <laughs> so I'll take either or. Oh, well, Layla, if our listeners do want to either form a mob uh, or have a villa in the mountains, they wish to uh, bequeath to you in their um, will when they get taken by the unknown. Um how do they let you know about that uh, by finding you on the internet? Okay, well, if there's a villa to be bequeathed, you can email me. My email's on my website. Um, <laughs> I promise I'll check my spam. Uh, but otherwise, you can find me at, at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Tumblr and Twitter. And if you want to read my Pokemon Anastasia Full Metal Alchemist webcomic, uh, that's astralheartcomic.com. That'll be back up very soon. Aaron, what about you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at AaronSXL. Um you can listen to the other podcast i do at the bible boys um it's about it i don't have a whole lot going on right now at the moment because grad school is starting back again uh as much as it seems like i have a lot of free time to just watch old movies from the year 2000 i am trying to be a real person and stop leeching off of my my wife who actually works for a living um so this is my attempt at doing that. But listeners, if you want to allow me to just be a uh, layabout that watches anime uh, all day, hit me up and I can, you know, you can be my patron and I will make anime criticism for you uh, for the low, low price of $50,000 a year. Uh, uh, that would be great. Yeah. It's, I mean, like on a real note, you know, we love doing this. Uh, tell your friends. Maybe someday we'll have a Patreon and uh, that'll, I don't know, buy us dinner sometimes or pay for our hosting fees or something. So Probably the hosting fees, if we're probably, being honest. Probably the hosting fees, maybe a dinner someday. But yeah, uh, all good stuff. Um, Aaron? If, if you donate to us $1,000, we will invite you to our fucking uh, Halloween party slash masquerade ball. Okay. <laughs> Straight up, you can buy you can buy our affection, listeners. That's very true. I everyone has a price, um, and feel free to DM me for mine. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. don't do that. Actually, please. Actually, don't do that, listeners. It's been fun, but as we do at the end of every episode, uh, we got to skedaddle. So as always, Team Rockets, Rockets blasting, blasting off again. again!